Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton. This is Thursday, May the 12th, 2022, Episode 4 of Freedom from Fear. Today's episode is titled, What are three words the church should stop using? Words have power. That's not surprising. John's Gospel records that Jesus is the Word of God, in Greek the Logos, who was before all things. The Gospel reads in John's Gospel, verse 1 of chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Our words are an echo of the Word of God, Jesus. Jesus, as the Logos, the God from ages past, the author of creation, is the Word. Our words being made in God's image are simply echoes of Him, faint and fragile. Yet our words do contain power and meaning, and that is what words are. Anyone who studied words or languages knows this. Words have meaning, not just for the conveying of information, but in the assessment of facts and the embodiment of significance. Words and the origins of words are remarkable. There are many words in the New Testament that have come to us today through the way the words are understood. There are slight variations, but the meanings have been retained. Three will suffice here. The word we have today for something explosive is the word dynamite, which is related to the word dynamic, which speaks of change or power, and the word dynamism, and so on. This comes from the Greek word dynamos, which means power. The word we have is mystery, which in English usually means something hidden, comes from the Greek word mysterion, which usually means something to be revealed. The word great is sometimes translated as mega, where we get words like megabyte and so on. This comes from the Greek as well. The word Christ is not the surname of Jesus, but it is the Greek version of the word Messiah in Hebrew the anointed one of God. In fact, I believe some translations use the word Messiah in place of Christ, so it reads Jesus Messiah, or simply Messiah. Many Westerners do not like it, but it has the the same meaning. Words have power. The way to control words is to change them or change their meaning. The word of God is God's instrument in the world to convey his identity, nature, purpose and character. It is no wonder, therefore, that many have sought to interfere with the Word of God for their own political, ideological or economic purposes. The early Christians were a mixture of Jews and people from various nations in the ancient world. By the end of the first century and well into the second century, fewer Jews came to faith in the Messiah Jesus. They also lost their temple in AD 70 and then their nation soon after set to wander in a new exile around the world, much like the wilderness wanderings of the people of Israel after their escape from bondage in Egypt. Sadly, the Christians decided to purge the Bible and the New Testament from as much Jewishness as they could. I am not entirely sure why they did this. After all, anyone with a brain would know Jesus was a Jew. One of the first words to go was assembly, which comes from ecclesia, which simply means a gathering of people, not a place. This was replaced by the word church, 
or its variations, which meant a building or a house of God, much like the high places of the first monarchy. The New Testament abolishes the temple in Hebrews and the Gospels in particular, but Christians a few centuries later simply recreated the temple of Jerusalem as the church and brought in the class of priests and bishops to exact power and punishment over anyone who dared to listen to the Spirit of God. The word church was used and is still used to destroy the work of the Spirit of God, God speaking to us today. But in those days, the word church was used to exclude Jewish Christians. The original idea of the assembly was open-ended and anyone could join. Most churches, in inverted commas, were mixed. We use the word church today to explicitly exclude Jews. That's the European usage. Stop using the word church. In English, it's not biblical and it has become an idol. The second and most heinous crime of the church was the creation of the class of priests. There are no priests in the New Testament. None. No priests. Except for viewing all Christians as priests, for example, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9. This means that all Christians are priests, every one of them, as they are members of God's nation. Peter is in fact echoing Exodus, Exodus 19, verses 5 to 6, where Moses writes that if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament talks a lot about the position of the priest and the high priest in the temple of Jerusalem and makes the comparison with Jesus Christ being the great high priest of God, for example, in Hebrews 3. Beyond that, there is no mention of priests at all in the New Testament. There are no priests in the kingdom of God, no office of priest in any of the lists of positions in any assembly, and none of the apostles, not even Peter, is referred to as a priest. Many churches are set up these days like divine slaughterhouses or abattoirs, which is what they're meant to be, places where the body of Christ is sacrificed again and again and again whenever the priest says the incantations and hocus-pocus. As we looked at in detail in Freedom from Fascism, the the word priest is used to destroy the power of God at work in the individual Christian, as well as the fellowship of all believers. It is also the mechanism for power and control and the moneyed religion. The third crime, most heinous, was the creation of the divide between Jews and non-Jews. For what purpose? For the purpose of detaching Jews from their nation and homeland. The homeland of the Jews, Israel, became the Holy Land, which meant the land of Christians and not the land of Jews. Many were not there anyway, having been expelled several times over the last, over the centuries. In Latin, the, priest, the priests created the term Gentile, which means in Latin a nation or a race or nations. It's a generic term, so in fact in Latin, the Jews as a nation could also be Gentile because the word Gentile simply means a nation. 
The purpose of the word Gentile was to pave the way for the Holocaust by denying the Jews a nation or denying that they are a nation and saying instead they are a people or a wandering group of people without a nation. There is, for example, a weed in Australia that has a terrible name. It's called a wandering Jew. And this is the echo or one of the echoes of this anti-Semitism. The reason Gentile is used is to deny that the Jews are a nation, not simply a people. They have always been a nation, an ethnos, a people. The Gentiles are simply the other nations, the other peoples, the other ethnos. Israel did not come into being after World War II. They have always been a nation. They never ceased to be a nation. They are not a nation simply because they were uh, brought into the world of American Christian fascism and their bizarre Middle East foreign policy strategy. Why does any of this matter? It matters a great deal because Jesus was the Messiah of the Jews, not the Gentiles. He came as the promised anointed one for Israel, the consolation of Israel. That is certainly how the Gospel writers and Paul sees it. His letter to the Ephesians is a deeply confusing letter if we adopt the church's traditional view of expunging Jewishness from the text and read it as if the Jews did not exist. But this is how most Western Christians read the Bible. The Jews are seen as irrelevant in God's plan and marginal. But the opposite is true. Paul's writings show that non-Jews are brought in from far away only through the work of Christ. Christian fascists disagree. They believe God is a God of love and the work of Christ is irrelevant. They don't read the Bible and if they did, they would know their theology makes absolutely no sense. But since they only want your money, then why would they care about theology? The purpose of God is to create a new humanity, a new people, a forgiven people, a holy people who serve him, a people who know him and who are known by him. This is essentially what Paul's letter to the Ephesians is about. It is why Ephesians is such a radical and subversive book. It is no wonder that most in the church hate it. Paul doesn't address his letter to the church. Instead, he addresses it to the saints in Ephesus and faithful in Christ. These saints are not Western Christians or St. Christopher, but Jewish ones, those who believe in Christ, the Messiah, those who are close by by virtue of their historical position as the people of the covenants of God, the people of the promise. There is always in God's assembly room for Jews who believe in Christ. After all, he's their Messiah. And that assembly brought two different groups together in Christ. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We have a new podcast episode every day. Freedom Matters Today explores freedom from a Christian perspective. Be sure to check out our daily blog at freedommatterstoday.com and subscribe. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom From Fear.